Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of our Quest Diagnostics Topics and Drug Testing podcast series. My name is Frank Samaro. I'm the Director of Clinical Marketing for the Drug Monitoring Franchise here at Quest Diagnostics. Today's episode is titled Drug Misuse in America. We have with us today our Senior Medical Advisor, Dr. Jeff Gooden, and a special guest, Justin Niles. Justin's our Lead Medical Informatics Analyst for the Quest Diagnostics Health Trends. So hello again, Dr. Gooden. And Justin, so nice to have you with us today. Hey, thanks, Frank. Thanks for having us. Again, I'm Jeff Gooden. I'm a pain management and addiction medicine specialist. I'm also a senior medical advisor to the Quest Drug Monitoring and Toxicology franchise. Hey, Justin, why don't you give us a quick introduction as well? Uh, hi, I'm Justin Niles. I'm the lead medical informatics analyst for uh, Quest Diagnostics Health Trends. Happy to be here today. Thanks so much. So, Justin, why don't we just jump right in? You mentioned health trends. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what health trends is? Health trends is a group of reports that identify and track disease and wellness benchmarks over time across the United States. And we make these reports available as a public service, sometimes in peer-reviewed journals and sometimes in internally published white papers. But our ultimate goal is to inform patients and healthcare professionals and sometimes even policymakers about the current state of the nation's health. We explore a pretty wide variety of topics, including, you know, pediatric lead poisoning, Lyme disease, diabetes, and most recently we focused our efforts on COVID-19. And we also put a lot of effort into the annual drug misuse report, which is what I'm here to talk about today. You know, I've been a consultant to Quest for probably about five years now, and I'm just amazed to see how many millions, if not tens of millions of samples that Quest gets in from around the country or around the world, and how easy it is to kind of data mine to give us information about what the results look like. And, you know, we can stratify which drugs are being used in which geography and things like that. So it really has been great. Have you been involved with all of the prescription drug monitoring health trends reports? I think this is going to be my fifth one this year. Uh, I started also at Quest about five years ago. So just those ones. That's great. So I'll tell our listeners that we have something special about this past year's health trends report in that we didn't only present on some of our data mining exercises, like where did we see drug positivity? But this year we did something different. We also did a survey of 500 primary care physicians. We used the Harris poll folks. And we asked them about how comfortable are they with drug testing? What do they think their patients are doing with their prescription medicines? How often are they using illicit substances? And I think our listeners are gonna be kind of surprised to hear what some of our results actually were. So why don't we jump in and talk about some of the new key insights from the 2019 report. I think that one of the most important things it brought forth is just what a challenging time this is to try to treat patients with chronic pain and also be able to keep your fingers on the pulse of potential substance use disorders. We know that physicians are reluctant to prescribe opioids. They clearly worry that the opioid epidemic is going to give way to misuse of other prescription or illicit drugs. I can tell you, Justin, in my town alone, many of the primary care physicians have completely stopped prescribing opioids because of this fear. And when we surveyed the docs, they understand that patients are out there and suffering. They're just so concerned about the drug crisis that they don't want really any part of it. Really, the worrisome thing is for an educated group, we know that we should be doing the right thing for our patients, but we don't have the tools to do it. 72% of the clinicians we surveyed worried that their chronic pain patients would turn to illicit drugs if they don't have access to prescription opioids. So it really is a concern out there. In just a second, we're gonna talk a little bit about some more of the specific findings from health trends. 
like what percentage of samples that come into Quest actually have some signs of aberrant drug use. That, Justin, that number's been around 50% over the past few years, hasn't it? Yeah, almost. I think basically since I started five years ago, it's down from when we started in 2011 when it was around over 60%. But yeah, it has stabilized right around that 50% plateau. Yeah, so just so our listeners understand, that means that for all of the samples that come in to Quest Prescription Drug Monitoring Division, about 50% of them don't actually match what the clinician thinks the patient is taking. In other words, either the drug is not in their system, which is being prescribed, or there are other things in the system which aren't being prescribed. So that's really, to me, as a, as a pain physician, what makes drug testing so important? It's really our only objective tool of understanding what drugs a patient are taking. Let's talk a little bit more about this survey that we did. We're kind of riding this double-edged sword. I mentioned that clinicians know that they have a responsibility to take care of pain patients. But unfortunately, we're in the midst of a drug abuse epidemic. And if you look at the news, even just this morning, we think it's about to get worse because of the stress from the COVID crisis. But that's a story for another day. Some of our findings, physicians may be overconfident in their ability to recognize prescription drug misuse. So we, if you get our health trends report, you could see some of the graphic images, or if you download the slide deck associated with this podcast, we know that 80% of physicians said they're confident in their ability to recognize the signs of prescription drug misuse. And 95% of docs said that they feel comfortable or confident discussing the risks of this drug misuse with patients. Now, I'll tell you, Justin, I'm a little bit torn because for some of these answers, I think the clinicians kind of gave us what we wanted to hear. I know when I'm out there in the field, most primary care physicians aren't sending their patients for drug testing. So how could they be so confident in their ability to screen for prescription drug misuse if most of them aren't even testing? Here was a surprise. 72% of clinicians surveyed said that they trust their patients to take their medicines as prescribed. Yet you and I just talked, more than half of the samples that, that come into Quest show some signs of misuse. So there's a bit of a disconnect. So Justin, let's dive in a little bit. Tell me about how you mine the data. And just so everybody knows, Justin was critical for this. I mean, he's the guy that really sunk his teeth into the data. And, and tell us some of the things just off the top of your head, kind of what stood out to you. Well, I mean, continued drug misuse is always going to stand out. I mean, just like you say, it's very difficult when physicians are confident in their abilities and think, you know, they know that drug misuse is out there, but it's not their patients. And uh, drug testing really shows them that it is your patients and you, you need to be able to objectively identify which patients are not using their drugs as prescribed. Drug mixing also stood out a lot. Sometimes it was the combining of multiple prescription drugs, but there's also a lot of combining prescribed drugs with non-prescribed drugs and even dangerous street drugs. Yeah, that's incredible. If you remember some of our health trends data year after year shows that a high percentage of patients, I mean, almost around 20% of patients combine opioids and benzodiazepines. And we've seen in recent years that, I mean, I think a third of the opioid-related deaths in this country are associated with benzodiazepines. So how could we ignore that? Clinicians have to test their patients to understand what they're taking. Justin, tell me a little bit about this drug mixing, which I find important. It's not just opioids and benzodiazepines, is it? No, it's a lot of things, but I think you identified one of the key ones. I mean, really, the bottom line is that 
Mixing drugs has lethal consequences far, far too often. You know, benzodiazepines were detected in over half of the prescription opioid-only overdose deaths and about a third of opioid overdose deaths overall. And like you just mentioned, I mean, this is a topic that Health Trends has explored both in peer-reviewed publications and in previous editions of the annual prescription drug monitoring report. When you talk to the lay press or, you know, the opioid opponents out there, they call it opioid-related deaths. Opioid, everybody blames it on the opioids. But as you see from, our, from CDC, 63% of all opioid deaths involve other drugs as well. So it's the minority of cases that's the pure opioid overdose. I think those stats really make it clear how critical a component drug mixing is to the overdose epidemic overall. Really prevalent and really deadly. Yeah, sure. And look, obviously, when you look at death reports, the other drugs that are combined with opioids, things like cocaine, we mentioned benzos, methamphetamine. So it's not just a single class of drug that, that leads to the problem out there. That's right. I try to support my community clinicians, but I work in a pain center. And one of the statistics we got back from our poll really rings true for what's happening out there on the streets. 81% of clinicians are reluctant to take on patients who are currently prescribed opioids. Now think about that. I told you in my own town, there are primary care docs who won't write pain medicines anymore. If you're one of those patients that has failed everything else and you're stable and low risk and doing well on your pain medicines, where are you supposed to go if 80% of the clinicians aren't taking these patients? It's become a real challenging environment for both patients and clinicians because they're worried about causing harm, right? They know they're supposed to do the right thing, but they're just so scared. They don't know where opioids fall in the whole kind of paradigm of pain treatment. And even though 80% of them won't take these patients into their practice, 72% of the clinicians surveyed worry that pain patients would turn to illicit drugs if they don't have access to their opioids but still they're not welcomed in the practice. It really is kind of a crazy landscape out there. And I think it really points to one major thing. We need new drugs, right? We need new analgesics. And I could tell you, uh, you know, on the front lines of research out there, there are a number of exciting compounds in development that are addressing the treatment of pain without some of the more dangerous side effects that we see from opioids. So Justin, I don't think we'd be complete today talking about drug misuse and the opioid crisis and opioid-related deaths without mentioning probably the number one most rapidly growing source of uh, opioid-related deaths, and that's fentanyl. I'll just let our listeners know if you haven't heard, fentanyl is one of these synthetic opioids We've used it in pain medicine in the form of a patch for many years. We've used it in anesthesia in the form of an IV drug for many years. And it was even reformulated into a, a rapid acting cancer pain medicine. But unfortunately, clandestine labs in China and Mexico, and probably even here in the US have figured out how to synthesize fentanyl in the laboratory. And it's now tainted our street drugs. So Justin, tell me a little bit more about fentanyl and what we're seeing. So right, for multiple years now, we've seen fentanyl misuse growing in uh, both the substance use disorder population and all other populations as well. And as you mentioned, fentanyl mixing is a huge and growing concern. Almost two-thirds of the specimens that were positive for heroin last year were also positive for non-prescribed fentanyl. And nearly a quarter of specimens that were positive for cocaine were also positive for non-prescribed fentanyl. And, you know, given the overdose death and drug mi mixing statistics we discussed earlier, you know, maybe we should have expected finding fentanyl more often, but that explosive growth in the fentanyl mixing over the last few years was truly startling. 
you know, Justin, you said something rather amazing, and I want to make sure our listeners pick up on this. You would expect for heroin to be positive for fentanyl if fentanyl is cheap and increases your yield, right? If you're a drug dealer, why not add a little bit of fentanyl to your heroin and profit from it? But they're adding fentanyl to cocaine, right? Now they're mixing an opioid, not that the drug dealers care about the public, right? But they're mixing an opioid with a stimulant. And you see why you mentioned a few times that drug mixing could be so dangerous because it's not just mixing with heroin. We found samples that are marijuana and fentanyl positive. I mean, think about the dangers from synthetic opioids that are out there on the street. So I'll bring up one other point, uh, getting away from the fentanyl issue more to a prescription drug issue, but that's gabapentin. Uh, I won't say my age, but I'll tell you that I grew up in the gabapentin era. I remember when it was approved. I remember that probably a time when 90% of my pain patients were on gabapentin. For a time, it was the most commonly prescribed pain pill by volume, maybe even the most commonly prescribed pill by volume in this country. And it turns out that it only works for a certain kind of pain. Most clinicians recognize that it works for neuropathic pain. Yet in an effort to not prescribe opioids, clinicians have adopted gabapentin as this universal pain treatment, which I'll tell you really doesn't work in non-neuropathic pain. But in an effort to avoid prescribing opioids, 78% of clinicians we surveyed said that they prescribed gabapentin to treat their patients with chronic pain. Hey, Justin, could you tell our listeners a little bit about what we found when we mined the data about potential misuse of gabapentin? Absolutely. So just three years ago, we rarely found evidence of gabapentin misuse, but the situation has clearly changed. Over 13% of specimens were positive for non-prescribed gabapentin, and this was higher than any other drug class we studied except marijuana and alcohol, and it was higher than the non-prescribed positivity rates of opiates and oxycodone combined. Hey, Dr. Goon, can you tell our audience about some of the other concerns of healthcare providers that came out of this survey? So, Justin, when we looked at some of the final survey questions that we asked, it was no surprise that clinicians are hungry for further education about drug misuse and monitoring their patients. 70% said they wish they had training on how to taper their patients off of opioids. 75% said they want, they'd want more training on what to do if their patient had signs of addiction. How to refer them to an addiction specialist was a big question. And how to monitor them. 76% said they want more information on how to monitor. Remember up front, like 80 or 90% said they felt comfortable in monitoring their patients, but yet 76% wish they had more training about how to monitor patients for prescription drug addiction. And we also asked them about the stigma of addiction. Let's think about it. If you come in and you have any risk factors, there's such a stigma that even clinicians, look, 80% of them don't want to prescribe opioids because they're not sure how to stratify the risk and they don't want to cause any harm. So let's think about how clinicians could kind of improve their risk management strategies. Let me tell you, these patients are not going away and there aren't enough pain centers in the country to be able to handle them. So you need to understand what are the best tools that you could use to help figure out, is my patient at risk for misusing prescription or illicit drugs? And we simply, if you look at some of the tools that we use in practice, ask the questions that put patients most at risk. So what are the risk factors for misusing prescription or illicit drugs? We used to say it's age, right? Like adolescents to you know, mid thirties, early forties, and usually young men, but that has changed. Even our own health trends data shows that the average person misusing drugs has gone up over the years. So now we, we screen our patients in their 40s and 50s and even in their 60s. 
We asked them about their past history of drug abuse because we know that your propensity towards addiction or substance use disorders doesn't go away. We asked them about family history because we know there's genetics behind substance use disorders. And one of the biggest ones we try to figure out is do they have an underlying mental health condition, anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder. This all significantly increases your risk of misusing alcohol, prescription, or illicit drugs. And one of the best ways we could keep an eye on our patients is by monitoring them. And when I say monitoring, I mean querying your state's prescription drug monitoring program, which now most states, you can get all of the states around you in multiple states around the country, and by drug testing. Whether it's oral fluid, we, some people call saliva, or urine, which is the classic matrix that we study for drug testing, the only objective tool that I know of to know what is in your patient's system is drug testing. So we really, I think, have a goal here to educate the masses on how do they incorporate drug testing into their practice. Justin, I have to tell you, this was really fantastic. What a, one of our better podcasts. I think it's always great to know what's happening on the front lines of medicine. Always great to get an idea of what do other clinicians think. I'll remind our audience that the data we presented comes from an analysis of more than 4.4 million de-identified drug monitoring tests performed by Quest Diagnostics. The report also incorporates findings from a Harris Poll survey of 500 primary care physicians here in the United States. We know that substance abuse is a big problem in this country, but chronic pain, I think, is an equal epidemic, and they both affect every demographic. The survey that we did found that 77% of physicians felt that the stigma surrounding prescription drug abuse impairs patient care. We need to get over that stigma. We need to empower clinicians to treat these patients. And I think the best way to do that is by trying to minimize the risk for everyone involved. And that includes using the tools that we spoke about today, including prescription drug monitoring and drug testing. Hey, Justin, before we go, anything exciting? You can give us a glimpse into what's coming of our health trends of the future. Sure. So we're very interested in what impact the COVID-19 pandemic is having on drug misuse rates. And uh, we're also interested in, you know, specifically the substance use disorder population. And uh, we might start looking more at attention deficit disorder drugs as well. That's great. And I have to say, again, just looking at the news today, we know there's going to be a spike in alcohol and, and drug misuse, the same way we've seen with other crises like hurricanes that have happened in this country. I'd like to thank Justin Niles for joining me today on this podcast talking about Quest Diagnostics Health Trends Data and Survey. I'll remind you that the abuse and misuse of prescription drugs remains epidemic in the United States. Quest Diagnostics serves one in three adult Americans and half of the physicians and hospitals here in the U.S. They have the world's largest database of clinical lab results. And as you heard today, the lab results can help improve healthcare management by giving us some diagnostic insights. Remember, a properly implemented drug testing program is an important step in tackling drug misuse and abuse. And by performing more than 10 million drug tests annually, Quest Diagnostics has the experience to help you implement a successful drug monitoring program, one that helps protect your practice, helps your patients, and keeps your community safe. You know, Quest also has this thing they call an Rx Tox line. It's a toll-free number, 1-877-40-RX-TOX or 1-877-407-9869. 
If you have a question about ordering a drug test, some clinicians don't know where to start. If you have a question about a result interpretation, something you've gotten back on your drug screen, let's face it, some of the metabolism is complex and hard to understand. Sometimes one drug has impurities that light up another substance. I call the Rx Tox line all the time when I have results that I question. Or you can visit questdrugtesting.com to get more information about drug testing, listen to some of the other podcasts that we've done in this series. Thank you again for joining. I want to thank you for joining us for today's discussion on drug misuse in America 2019. And I'd like to thank our experts, as always, Dr. Gooden and our special guest today, Justin Niles. If you enjoyed the podcast, please visit questdrugtesting.com or subscribe for your favorite podcast venue. Thank you for joining us. <laughs>